essentially add a React component to your page as if it was just any other HTML element. And by default, we're going to statically render it. So it shows up as static content. So there's no JavaScript cost by default. But then you can really easily opt in individual components on the page to interactivity. Hello, and welcome to JavaScript Jam. I'm Ishan Nand, VP of Product at Layer Zero by Limelight. And I'm Mark Ricardo, VP of Engineering of the same. And today we have a, a really exciting episode. We have Fred K. Schott, the co-creator of Astro, uh, which is, I would say, easily one of the hottest new frameworks around uh, in the front-end space. Uh, so really excited to have this conversation. Fred, welcome to JavaScript Jam. Thank you all so much for having me. Excited to be here. So before we jump into Astro and, and what's great about it and what's exciting, maybe just we always like to start with the, you know, the origin story and the person. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's your background? Maybe talk about Skypack and, you know, Snowpack as well that you've been uh, really uh, active with. Definitely. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been in the web development space for, I mean, like over a decade now. So it's been a while um, as a developer, just on uh, different projects, different companies. Um, but really a lot of what has become Astro started um, back when I was at Google. So I was lucky enough to be on the Chrome team, uh, specifically the Polymer, like web components team, working on different build tools and really got my hands dirty with some really cool technology that, you know, this was 2016, 2017 at the time, mm -hmm. different JavaScript technologies, ESM, like all this, what was at the time, very future looking technologies that's now become very standard. Um, you know, at that point, you could really only play around with it as a build tool thing, or maybe in like the latest version of Chrome. So I got some pretty early exposure to some pretty cool tech and really just got the bug, saw a way that it would kind of change the way we did web development and build tools and distribution and uh, ended up kicking off some of those projects as open source projects later on once I'd already left Google. Mm -hmm. um, most of those, which have kind of become what was originally called Pico, which was like this exploration research project, but spun off into Skypack, uh, Snowpack, and now Astro being really the latest version, the latest and greatest of all this technology. It's interesting you were on the the Polymer team. You know, uh, some of our clients, uh, one of our early clients was uh, an active user of Polymer and they built one of the first, you know, PWAs using Polymer. Um, and uh, I, I still remember when, when we released it, it was just amazing to see a, a site that operated that fast. Uh, there was a lot of work that went into that though. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so interesting framework. Um, uh, how active actually do you do you keep in touch with Polymer? I know they moved on to I think Lit. Uh, yeah, that's it was an interesting project because it really was like a way to beta test what is like now just much more generalized web mm -hmm. components. But at the time, there wasn't a lot of docs. There wasn't a lot of you know it really you needed a bit of help building web components yeah. in a way that felt like a React or a, or a Vue. So Polymer was kind of this glue that. I think they would say at this point has like kind of melted away a bit and lit is really the latest version of what you need to just a little bit of extra help building web components. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know if Polymer is still maintained. I really think they migrated towards lit as a, the current you know, best way to do things in the web component space. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Um, so then let's, let's turn to Astro. Um, how would you, you know, describe Astro to a, a fellow developer who doesn't know anything about it? 
Yeah, no, it's a really exciting project. Um, you know, like you said, it's just kind of taken off in a way that I think really we weren't expecting. It's very, very humbling experience, but um, really speaks to, I just think, the power of the of the model we're pushing. So it's a new take on web development, um, which, you know, is just to say you can still bring all the technology you're familiar with, you know, bring your Reacts, bring your Svelts. It's, it's really flexible in what you're allowed to work with. But... I shouldn't say it's a new take to web development. It's a new take to Jamstack, at least, where mm -hmm. instead of building a JavaScript application like you would with a Next.js or a Gatsby or a Nuxt or a Create React app, um, it takes an approach to much more around building a website and a website as a collection of pages. And so instead of an application that you need to optimize and deploy as an application and all the complexity that comes with that, we really help you build pages. And so those pages are, are HTML by default. Um, it works really nicely with CSS and SAS if you use that. Um, works really nicely with your framework of choice and just really is all about providing these hooks that you can basically take a static base of HTML and then really easily add interactivity through your framework of choice. So we call it partial hydration. It's an idea that's much older than our project, but really we were the first to unlock this in a really user-friendly way or developer-friendly way where you can essentially add a React component to your page as if it was just any other HTML element. And by default, we're gonna statically render it. So it shows up as static content. So there's no JavaScript cost by default, but then you can really easily opt in individual components on the page to interactivity. So instead of paying a full, you know, everything you ship down to the client is gonna be JavaScript, React, kind of come with that weight. Um, by default, everything is HTML and statically rendered. And then individually, you can go in and opt in different components for hydration, pay the JavaScript cost only when you need it, is the mentality there. Do you feel like that's like the, you remember progressive, you know, web design, which was, as opposed to say, it sometimes got mixed up with responsive, but it was this idea that you start with HTML as the foundation for every single page, and then you progressively enhance it based on the capabilities of the device that's being consumed. Yeah. Do you feel like this is progressive, you know, design on, on steroids, so to speak? It can be. It certainly is in some ways. So one of the cool things you can do when you have the ability to opt in components on a per component level means you can kind of control when and how they hydrate, how they load. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you got a buy button on the e-commerce site. Let's hydrate that thing as quickly as possible. That's, that's a moneymaker. But if you have like some, maybe a higher weight, uh, like an image carousel or some sort of explore lower down the page you can control that to not even hydrate until the user scrolls to it um, or you know you can basically like a progressive or sorry um like a responsive design idea mm -hmm. of using css media queries you can do the same thing only load this on mobile or only load this on desktop um, so we give you all this control into how you hydrate which can really make for a much more expressive performance story and then also just you know how you think about your site loading on any device yeah, this lazy hydration um, is is really fascinating. Also, because um, we had another customer who, uh, and we have a framework called React Storefront that we worked on. And Mark actually had done a lot of the work um, in building that. It actually sits on top of React, but it was you could pick which components uh, could be hydrated. And I think Mark and a lot of the team actually had had worked on trying to add that on top of React. Um, which it just, it's interesting to see it now turn to its almost its own thing. Um, Mark, I don't know if you have any thoughts on. No, it's just, um, yeah, the, that lazy hydration stuff really does work. We have a, a customer who's really performance focused 
and they legit get a uh, hundred lighthouse score on their mobile app. It's an e-commerce app, but it's actually the travel space. And they did a lot of those optimizations and lazy hydration was, was one that really actually helped in many cases. Nice. Um, yeah. It's amazing the lengths you have to go to, to make a, a JavaScript app really score that well. But, um, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that is our tagline in a nutshell yeah. is we've taken that same idea. This actually, I mean, you could trace this project back to, we, we launched a doc site for a different project, Snowpack. And by chance, um, after we launched it, uh, Alex Russell, who's like performance oh, yeah. curmudgeon on Twitter, yeah. uh, reached out and was like, oh my God, how did you do it? Like, I, I'm, I'm being dramatic, but it was just like way to go on the performance. I was like, what performance? And it was because we built it with 11D. So shout out to 11D for really kind of pushing the bar there. But realizing that it was because 11D made it difficult to use JavaScript. You had to go and add your own bundler. You had to go and do everything yourself. It was really hands-off. But like the human impact of that is I'm not going to reach for JavaScript unless I really need it. And we ended up building most of it as static HTML. So we're at a doc site. There was a couple of little scripts that we added, but overall static. And so we took that same idea of like, wait, how can we replicate this for other people? And that was where a lot of these ideas came from, which was make the default HTML, make it really easy to extend, but in a way that still doesn't pay the cost of JavaScript unless you really need to. And then only at that end, make it the kind of opt-in story around JavaScript, but then don't make it difficult. So as soon as you know you need it, pay the cost. But the difference between 11D and us being we really don't say, you know, go do it yourself because the chances are it's going to be a lot more work at best. And at worst, you then have to like optimize it all for yourself. So we can take on the like actual infrastructure work of progressive hydration so that it's super easy for you, but then not, you know, still not pushing it as the number one solution. You kind of get to walk up this ladder of, you know, starting with something that's just as easy, but also um, less, you know, performance cost. And only at the end of that story do you need to reach for the performance uh, of JavaScript. So tell me about the origin story. Why was Astro created? And like, is that, you feel still it's its main purpose, the, the original purpose? Yeah, I mean, that was really the genesis for a lot of this. Um, the other was at the time, um, a lot of us who are working on this, you know, full-time now are coming from Skypack, which was this um, hosted CDN for JavaScript, um, focused on, you know, modern JavaScript, ESM. And so a lot of this actually came from, okay, we have this great CDN for distributing JavaScript. How can we like integrate that more into your site? So it's not just hosting the code, but also can we like optimize the code automatically, like take any Next.js site, any, you know, view site and optimize it after the fact. And the realization we came to was it's really hard to pull an application back apart to optimize it. Like really Next.js using them as the example here, mm -hmm. it gives you a ton of power, but it's also like, you can't really do much other than just deploy it as is. It's an application. Every component is tied to the one that it's parent of and it's child of. Like there's just, because it's all running in a single JavaScript runtime, you can't really pull it apart. And so the way we came to this solution was really those two ideas. One was like, there's something really special about 11 but it was hard to optimize. And then the realization of like, oh, it's really impossible at a technical level to optimize a existing JavaScript application like Next.js. And realizing that 11D was a, probably a better way to start with this problem and then realizing pretty quickly, like, oh, no one's doing it like this. Um, this is a really unique take on what has been for years, like you, know, you mentioned that customer, yeah. the right performance story, but really hard to sell as a batteries included developer story. Now we're offering both, which is really unique. And I think speaks to why this has taken off so quickly. When did you launch Astro? 
So we. Or what did you start writing it? Shall we say? Let's. And I'm curious what the trigger was to say, um, you could, you had those insights, but you could have just as easily said, you know, this this should be an add-on to 11D, for example, right? Like, yeah. Uh, which I think is I think the approach Slinkity is is like taking. At what point did you say, you know what? This is its own thing. It it's it'll be yet another static site generator, but here's why it's it's better. Like when did you was there a trigger that crossed you on that line or it became very clear immediately? And and what was that point? Or how long ago was that? Yeah, so we started, I mean, that like idea of can we optimize existing sites was back in January. Okay. Where we had this like amazing growing CDN that we were super proud of, but wanted to find better ways to connect it to existing sites. Um, I'd say that that kind of a little bit of soul searching, exploring, and then realizing in June when we launched an early beta, like, oh, this is, this is connecting in some deeper way. Um, so really, I, I don't know if we really went too far into the try and get it to work with 11D, but also realizing that 11D itself is, it's great at what it does, but it's also coming from a much, and I want, I don't want to say older, cause I don't mean this in a, in a mm. negative way, but just, yeah. it's using like Nunjux and EJS mm -hmm. and these older templating languages, which really feel a bit alien in the world of use React for everything. So you're, mm -hmm. we realized pretty quickly on that we'd be asking developers who currently live in this great developer experience, where if you buy into React, you have components, you have um, JSX, you have this ability to intermix HTML and JavaScript. And realizing that 11 while it's telling a great performance story, was also telling a much older story around templating, where you're using something that is back when we thought that logic and templates were two different things that needed to be kept as separate as possible. Um, and if you go back to like the history of where React was coming from, like React's whole, one of my favorite talks is when they're trying to pitch the idea of React to mm -hmm. a, a group of developers who like not only aren't familiar with React, but are like predisposed to hate React uh, because the current state of things back when yeah. React came out was this like MVC template and logic should never mix. And that's still the world that 11D lives in. Obviously, the conversation has moved on from that, but those mm -hmm. templating languages still carry a lot of weight from those decisions. So logic is actually really difficult to add. And we wanted to make something that felt a little bit easier. So obviously a cost to moving away from 11D, but mm -hmm. we saw at a spiritual level almost like there's something that could fit between these two things, the old and the new, and kind of bring them together. That That makes a lot of sense. Like the... It's like 11D, but with a web components as like a first class citizen, uh, whereas 11D is more like templating, which is in a non pejorative way, the the kind of traditional way of, of looking at, you know, blitting out HTML to the screen, so yeah. to speak. There's there's uh, two snarky takes on on how I ended up here. <laughs> One is <laughs> that Astro is just trying to get web components right, but in a different way. Um, and then the other is also just for my own like background, I got started with PHP and as someone learning web development, like nothing was more powerful than that idea of like, here's my template that lives in a PHP file. And all of a sudden I want to like opt into server rendering and I can like run like literally a database call in the middle of my template, Yep. which like pretty quickly on you realize like that's not a good idea. Yeah. It's like kind of frowned upon in any sort of scalable application, but like that mixing of templating and server logic was really powerful. And so if 11D is kind of what we saw as their Achilles heel was how tied it was to old ideas, at the exact same time, the idea of learning React all the way down your stack really felt tied to the complexity that React or Svelte or Vue all need to handle because they're built for reactivity in the browser. So they're built to handle events and updates and re-renders because you're moving around a site. And so them as a base language suffer from a lot of complexity cost in terms of what's needed to write it. You need to handle reactivity. 
Svelte is an HTML-based templating language, but so much of its syntax is around responding to events. And so where we saw kind of the that space between the two was, can we bring you something that feels a bit more like that PHP feeling of like writing my template, but all of a sudden I want to call out to some backend service and have a language that was designed for that exact story. Instead of really, if you think about what React is, it's being retrofitted to the server, which is not a terrible idea, but it, you start to feel it when you start to look for it. Yeah, so actually this is very timely because I'm looking for a, a new documentation platform for one of my teams. And uh, I stumbled across Astro this week, actually not even knowing I was gonna do this podcast. I was so, so busy. Uh, and so I actually spun it up and did a lot of experimentation but I feel like I've only scratched the surface. Uh, so maybe now's a great time for you to, to give us a demo and to, to show me what I haven't seen yet. Yeah, happy to. I, I don't know how deep we can go, but I will go as deep as we can. Sure. Awesome. Let me, uh, I think I can pull up a screen share. Ba -ba -ba. You all let me know when that's coming in. Yep, we're good. Yep. Okay, cool. So um, how much time? I think we said 10, 15 minutes. Just I'll let you guys cut me off whenever, but. Uh... Yeah, that sounds about right. I'll, I'll, I'll keep time. Cool. Awesome. Um, so the best way to get started with Astro is um, with something called create Astro or NPM init. Um, sometimes NPM init causes trouble. So just to be safe, I'm going to do MPX create Astro. Um, same idea. This is our like starter template. Um, you can run that in any directory. It's going to basically download this this starter. Um, hopefully, our our recording session isn't taking up all the bandwidth. <laughs> I just promise I just demoed this a second ago. Oh no! Oh, what a shame. The joys of live demos. Oh, seriously, right off the bat, too. Didn't even give. Oh, there we go. Wait, okay. Um, would you like me to get that clean, or I can just keep going? No, keep going. That's fine. Okay, cool. The real life of web developers right there. <laughs> yeah. Now everyone gets to see <laughs> the pain of writing your first command and it just fails. <laughs> it's very real. Um, yeah, so I'm a little zoomed in, but but what you can see here is this idea of we start off with a couple of templates. So Starter Kit's a great place to start just because I want to kind of go through the story from um, basics. I'm going to start with the minimal template. Um, documentation is actually a really polished one because it's based off of our own doc site. So it comes with internationalization, search, a bunch of other cool stuff built in. Yeah. So for my use case, that's what I chose. I was like, oh, wow, this is really complete. <laughs> and uh, I think that's like your best template. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're there right now, but we really want them all to be polished. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. It's really, we're, we're pretty proud of it. Um, again, super zoomed in, but the idea is really quickly, you'll just get this starter uh, environment. Um, so it'll tell you that you can run npm install. Just do that now while we chat. That's going to install your dependencies. You can kind of git init to kind of create the repo. And then when we're ready, we'll start the dev server. So this is npm installing the basics. Here's my node modules folder coming in. And so what this is doing, this is installing Astro. Now, the most recent version that we're about to launch I, or not launch, I shouldn't say. It's it's kind of working its way through the beta process. It might even be out by the time this podcast goes live. Is powered by Vite, which is super cool because it starts up really quickly, uses all this cool magic to handle your dependencies. Um, we're building on top of Snowpack, which is also very cool, but it suffers from this cold start problem. Where you'll see here, we just have to do some work to handle your dependencies. So hopefully by the time you all see this, this is gone. But this is essentially just pre-installing every package that you use in your project. 
It's a one-time cost. You'll never have to hit it again. So is, is V replacing Snowpack there? Inside of Astro, yeah. yeah it's okay. the big thing that we're working towards in our 0.21 release. Mm -hmm. Both tools are super powerful, but honestly, the V team has been doing a great job coming out of Vue and with Evan Yu kind of leading the charge there. Mm -hmm. um, using V for us is just a chance to kind of double down on what they're doing and help um, improve an existing tool. Yeah, shout out. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have the same idea. I'll let you go ahead, Mark. Yeah, so we, we actually interviewed Evan several podcasts ago, and he's, the whole thing was about Veet. So if you're interested in that as a listener, go out and, and check that out. Uh, it's It was a really interesting peek into the, the inner workings of Veet. That uh, was episode four. We had him on, and he gave a whole demo of it. Nice. Fun story that ties all of these tools together. For Snowpack's SSR, which we're relying on here, and Veet's SSR support, which we're going to ha handle in the next one, both are based off of work that Rich Harris of the Svelte team did to get it working in SvelteKit with Snowpack originally and then later with Veet. Oh, interesting. So <laughs> Svelte, Vue, you know, Astro, it's all, there's a lot of kind of ties there between the projects. Lots of cross-pollination. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I also noted, noticed one of the templates actually allows you to pick, like, whether you want Svelte, React, or Solid, or maybe there was one other. Is that part or of Or all of the above. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I I picked that option the first time I tried it. I was like, okay, let's let's try this. Let's break it. Yeah, I would love to showcase that. Um, I will not say whether that's a good idea or a bad idea. I feel like the <laughs> micro front ends yeah. community. That's a, a hill I don't need to die on. But it's certainly something you can do with Astro. And to tie it into your documentation use case, we were talking to one team that has multiple different components that they're trying to document: one for React and one for Vue and mm -hmm. one for Svelte. So Astro gave them the ability to showcase all three mm. in the same project, which traditionally is very difficult in a fully React or fully Svelte uh, documentation site or any type of site. Um, so the mixing and maxing is very real, which I'd be happy to demo. Um, okay, so here is our kind of basic starter here, like super bare bones. This is the minimal template after all. Um, all we see is welcome to Astro. Really, the project on the left here, which we have, is just as easy. So you have a public directory, which has a couple of static files. These are just going to get sent directly with your site when you go to build it. So a nice little favicon. You can see the Astro logo on the top left. Um, those are just static files. Really, where the interesting stuff happens is in the source directory, and specifically the pages directory within your source directory. So you can think of that like the routes folder or pages in Next.js. Mm -hmm. um, it's essentially anything in this folder is treated as a route. Um, so you can see here, here's where our kind of welcome to Astro um, template lives. Now, there's a little bit of magic here. You might notice the .astro um, extension, which we'll get into in a second. But the first thing to know about Astro syntax is it's essentially a superset of HTML. So instead of being JSX, which is like HTML for JavaScript, we consider Astro like JavaScript for HTML, which means by default, any HTML file is going to work um, as expected as an Astro file. I'll kind of do some indenting here just to kind of show off, you know, still looking good. And so, you know, add a little exclamation mark here. You get a nice little fast refresh. So far, so good. What makes Astro unique, and so again, this gets into the idea of where we wanted to differ from, um, from 11D. Um, the first one I'll say is just we have really, really clean style handling. So anything you do sort of um, for styling here. This will matter more when we get into um, components in Astro, but... Mm -hmm. Just to showcase this already, we can just kind of do astro h1 um, color equals rev. Um, what this is doing, actually, if we open up the browser um, and check it out, is actually doing scope styling. So similar to Svelte, which kind of popularized this. 
um, everything is going to be scoped to this component. So for example, if you had some component lower down that also had an H1, it wouldn't be impacted by the style rule. So you get this really nice scoping where it's only specific to the component or the file that you're working in. It's never going to bleed out. So you get that scoping by default. Um, you can also do lang equals sass um, or scss as the kind of code is. I think both work. Um, and get that full kind of SAS experience as well. So you could do a, a red variable if you had one. Um, so batteries included is something we'll keep coming back to. Um, it's really mm -hmm. saying that we want a lot of the defaults that have kind of become table stakes in terms of support to be really easy to work with. Um, where our syntax really starts to get interesting, and I mentioned that idea of like intermixing server logic with templating, um, and that coming from the PHP and something we wanted to reintroduce here. Any Astro component can start with something that looks a lot like front matter. So if you've ever written a markdown file and like define mm -hmm. your title description, we do something similar, but instead of being YAML, it's JavaScript. So you could, for example, say const um, title equals um, Astro. And then similar to like a JSX type of interface, you could put that right in here as a variable. So call this Astro JS Jam demo. So all of a sudden, we start unlocking this idea of dynamic content, but a statically rendered page. You'll see in the in the network panel, there's still no JavaScript being delivered to the browser. This so all that front time. matter is being run. Yeah, sorry, at build time. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean yep. to step over yeah. there. Yeah, no, no. all build time logic, um, which means you can do a couple things. You can talk to a database and have no fear about this leaking into your front end app. Um, you can use fetch. So fetch is built in. Um, so is top level await. So you can do const. Um, you know, really quickly, if we could do this. Um, one of the things we like to use is the Pokemon Pokedex API. So, you know, let's grab some information about Ditto, for example. Ah. And that's going to give us a response. You know, let's turn it into Pokemon data equals await Pokemon.json. You might notice here we get TypeScript for free. So actually, this fully supports TypeScript in the top mm. level um, front matter. So the nice thing about TypeScript, totally opt-in. Um, if you don't want to write TypeScript, you're fine. We're not going to like break your build or anything. But you can also add it, and it just automatically works. And you get this really nice uh, hinting when you do. So for example, the fact that that's uh, the correct thing here. Um, so now I think, and you know, you can just kind of like, let's really lazily, because I don't know how much time we have here, do a json.stringify. We'll just get this out into a string and see what we see. What we see. Right, so you have this fetch here. Uh, unfortunately, it's going to rerun on every time we make a change, so not the mm -hmm. most optimal. But as we get closer to v1, we want to tighten up the caching of this. So this is a cached response. Astro could internally cache it and just reuse that every time uh, you refresh the browser. So you could imagine us creating a Pokedex completely out of this data where we show its abilities and its image. I think there's a nice little, uh, you know, little SVG that this comes with. So super powerful idea of mixing server JavaScript with front-end templating. Yeah, it's a great developer experience to to get all this combined together in a very easy to to use demo. Um, maybe we should see. I don't know you have next, uh, but the partial hydration uh, yeah. is is really powerful. Yeah, so pages is really the only like magic directory and that it handles routing. Um, anything else can go, um, oh, what did that? Anything else can, uh, there we go. 
live in your source directory. So you kind of still have that freedom to architect as you like. Mm -hmm. um, we like to use the idea of a components directory. Just it's a good place to kind of put your stuff. Um, do you all have a framework, a favorite framework of choice? I think we probably use Next.js the most. Um, okay. But you know, we, we do use everything from uh, Nux to um, SvelteKit. Okay. So we'll use React then and uh, a counter from React, which I'm really glad. I didn't actually have a backup plan if you said anything else <laughs> um, because I, I saved this. I would have to do some quick Googling. Um, this is from the React docs. It's just like how to use a hook. So it's a really simple example here, um, which we can copy in. Um, we'll just rename this counter and we'll export it. So we now have a JSX component in our application here. It's uh, living alongside Astro. And the other cool thing you can do here besides just, you know, fetch and all this cool stuff. Um, actually, let's remove this just to stop making fetch calls. Um, oh, yeah. You can also do imports. So you can import the counter um, from the doc components. Oh, I had a nice little, I think I, I ruined it. There we go. I think I, did I do a default? No, let's just do a default. So it's, you don't need to worry about the name too much. Counter. I did not like that. What happened? Oh, right. This is the minimal template. So we actually don't have a default uh, render built in. Again, this is not the default experience, but it's one that we have here in our config. Um, so we intentionally opt out for this, which as I go through this, maybe isn't the best default. Um, so this starts to get into how we can be flexible enough to handle React. It's felt, again, mm. in a default project, you don't need to worry about this. We can just comment it out and restart. By default, we support all of them. So you might have to do another, again, we're starting to add a little bit more abilities as we go. So we have to rehandle some dependencies. Um, but once this is done running, we should be back in business. Got it. So we now basically by commenting that went back to our default, which is to support um, React by default. Uh, it's mad that we're never using it. So let's use it in the page to kind of show that off. Um, it really is as simple as JSX here. So again, this is still HTML. We mm -hmm. haven't done anything Reacty. Um, or JSXE, but we can now add a component that we've imported as if it were any other component on the page. So we add this, we refresh, and we now have our React component. Now, this is part of the workflow that I kind of uh, dislike a little bit. I'm, I'm being picky because I created it, but or co-created it, but that idea of by default, if it's static, that's fantastic. The one thing is you click this and you think, oh my God, it's not working. What's going on? I've broken my app, Astro's broken. Um, but this is actually very much a feature, not a bug. Let me get this into the sidebar so you all can see it. So all we'll just use here is to show like JavaScript being loaded, which you see here, we refresh the page. There's one HMR client, that's just to handle the dev server and the live reload. There's mm -hmm. no other JavaScript on this page. And so that gets into, if you're expecting interactivity, you need to know that our default story is no interactivity by default, because that's where you start to pay the JavaScript penalty. And so by default, everything's static, but you can really easily opt into it. So a counter, there's not really any way to design it without interactivity. So let's just go ahead. We know we're going to need it. Let's do it. And the way you opt in is with this thing we call a client directive. So you have client here, and we can basically say, how do we want this to load? On idle being the second the page is idle, we'll kind of at the end of the story load it. So it's like a delayed load. Um, on load is like as quickly as possible. I need this thing to load. Media is that uh, responsive design that we talked about where it will only load on certain devices. Mm -hmm. Visible is probably the coolest one. If you don't scroll to it, it doesn't load. 
Um, so we can use that even though it's top of the page, it's going to load immediately. But you can see the second we did that, not only did some JavaScript load, but it became interactive. And the JavaScript that loaded was basically a visible detector. So is it visible? And then if mm -hmm. so, we're loading the dev experience. So you'll see a lot of files here. That's the unbundled dev experience. Um, in production, this would all be bundled into a single file. But you can see now everything that's being depended on to serve this. And so this can really be taken, you know, in a ton of different ways. Um, you know, you could imagine we have counter in Svelte, counter in view. You know, you could mm -hmm. for one. So mix you can and actually match. mix and match. I mean, that's one of the interesting things here, and gets to that micro front ends is that you cannot just decide on different frameworks. You can literally put all of them, and the one that says do all has all of them. You know, has actually I think a, an increment counter in four or five different frameworks all on the same page. Yeah, and that, that can be very silly. Like it's kind of hard yeah. to illustrate a good use of that. But if you imagine a larger company migrating in yeah. any other stack, you're fully bought into the framework you choose. There's no way out. Um, what we offer is an idea of actually really what we're doing is unifying a lot of tooling yeah. into a base and then using these frameworks for what they were originally designed for, which is UI. So React becomes a thing that you reach for for UI or Svelte or Vue. Um, Solid was a really interesting one because that came out right around when we launched. And we actually yeah. had this really interesting try solid experience where you didn't have to throw out your current React code base. Yeah. You could actually use them both together, at least during development. You didn't have to deploy it. Like, why not just try solid in your existing project? It was a really cool story for not having to choose one and then never leave, being super flexible. So whatever comes next, you're ready to migrate to. So maybe I'll ask a, a, a less dangerous question, but you know, in, in these components that you're using here, like once you enter React world there with that counter component, it's like React all the way down at that point, right? I assume there's a way to import just like other Astro templates and stay up at that you know fully static, um, you know level, right? Yeah. So it gets to that idea where the nice thing is if you've started to use Astro and you feel comfortable in HTML and CSS, which are pretty standard technologies. Um, you can live in Astro completely. So that's a counter component, but you could just as easily you know, do like header.astro. Mm -hmm. And that same syntax rules apply where we could say essentially, you know, h1, um, hello, I am a component. And drop that in here. You know, call it, we'll call it header. No client visible, obviously, because it's not um, something that is built for the front. So that's the thing. You can't use an Astro component in the front end. Um, as an interactive component, right. but you can still use it as something completely static. So we can say header astro, and there you go. And then, is there an ability to to parameterize that component, like passing down props or context or anything like that? Great question. Yes, let's uh, let's do that. So um, we'll say name equals mark. Um, we're trying to borrow a lot from JSX here, so we're starting. You know, we're still living in the um, HTML world. This is still technically HTML, but you could also start to add expressions here. So you could do something like this as well. Um, similar to JSX, mm -hmm. both are, are supported. Um, and then here we use that same um, server logic world, that, that uh, component script from Matter to say basically, let's grab this prop now. Let's grab name from astro.props uh, is where they live. Mm -hmm. So this now lives here. Again, what a cool thing, because we're running this at build time, you can essentially just do a console log and you'll see it logged down here. Great way to debug. And then 
drop it in here. Hello, I am Mark. Wow. So it's really flexible. Again, it's trying to be as HTML as possible. Super, you know, you, again, you can add a little style here if you wanted to give this its own color. Um, that whole idea of us not letting styles leak um, lets us control this. So you know, color green. Um, there is still the ability to opt in if like you have some sort of front end framework or some styling rule, you know, you can still do style global and it'll now apply to all H1s, although again, this one's kind of being overridden by its local style. Um, but yeah, just total kind of like, we're trying to give you great defaults for HTML-based components, but then really easy ways to opt into, you know, the more flexible parts of a, a code base. What about passing styles down? Is that through like CSS variables or what's the right pattern there? Yeah, so it'll support any CSS variable that you've defined on the page. So you could do something like, you know, um, header color. We're not really, we don't have a like a stance yet on the best way to do CSS uh, variables. So we're just using the native styles right now. So it's still up to you to define this somewhere. But again, because it's just these basic things, you can do something like, um, you know, at its easiest, you can define a variable in here. Um, I think this will work. Just, uh, oh God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blank on the syntax. I think it's something like header. I think that's it. Oh, don't quote me on this. This is where I would go to Stack Overflow. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel confident enough in that. But yeah, we try not to take a stance here. We just kind of, you know, basically um, anything that native CSS, native HTML support, we try to build on top of. Okay. So, I mean, the I'm one really... other cool thing that I can show, um, just the one other cool thing that I can just highlight about this whole idea is, you know, especially if you're migrating from an existing site, it's so flexible. You could literally just do, you know, kind of like my dashboard SPA. And if you're trying to migrate an existing React site, you really could get away with this, where like essentially as long as the whole page was written in React, mm -hmm. you can just drop that on the page, you know, give it a client load so it loads immediately. And as you go, then you can start to pull pieces up of it apart from React to Astro or just leave it all in React. It's super flexible in terms of letting you bring your own framework. And we want you to use um, you know, Astro as much as possible because it keeps you in that good performance story a little bit easier. But you have just that total freedom to use your favorite tools and what you feel comfortable in to build your site. So I'm really jealous. Like this is, uh, I spent all my time in e-commerce and we worry a lot about performance in e-commerce. And actually when I first looked at Astro, it was in the context of documentation, as I mentioned, I didn't realize it had all this capability. Like, is there... What use cases is this not good for? It seems like it's pretty broad reaching things you could do with it, like a fully interactive site to a fully static site. Yeah, yeah, it's really flexible, which is I think where a lot of that power comes from. Um, you know, we definitely see this kind of with the biggest, you know, eyes for what it could unlock, which is everything in the Jamstack so far has been about building applications, which I kind of mentioned, but. I think what that kind of gets at is there's a really good developer experience story there around giving you a powerful, like Next.js is super powerful and it got to popularity because of that, which, you know, rightfully so, it's great technology. What that was at the expense of, I believe, is that the user experience for a lot of different sites. So there's a lot of kind of hand-wringing between the static web, like the document web versus the application web. And are those really two separate things? And regardless of whether they deserve two separate, you know, browsers, two separate ideas and frameworks. There's really this idea where I think the idea of a JavaScript application is great for like a SaaS product or a dashboard or an inbox, something super dynamic. 
But for an e-commerce site, right, it's like way overhead for what is essentially about getting something in front of the user as quickly as possible. And Next.js and, and it's, it's like can optimize the JavaScript app as much as possible. But at the end of the day, it gets back to that story where we just couldn't figure out a way to pull it apart and really optimize it in a way that didn't require, at the end of the day, sending the whole application down to the user, at least to run that entire page as an application. So, yeah, we really think this is a much better option for anyone targeting you know, the content web, which is e-commerce, um, you know, any sort of content that the user would be reading or consuming, images, text, like anything about um, that story for the user is really, uh, like you mentioned, performance is really critical, um, especially in e-commerce. You know, it's dollars and cents that we're talking about when we talk about performance. Um, so yeah, we think it's just a better technical foundation to build on top of. I'd say the limits right now are just what we haven't added as features yet. We're still pre 1.0, still beta. Uh, the big missing part for e-commerce is the ability to re-render this page on every request. So that idea of this page being generated at runtime, we still live in a world of static sites, which is to build the site ahead of time and then deploy it as static HTML. So that's what we're working on next. Hopefully by the end of this year, we've delivered on that. And um, then I think there's really, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of what this could be used for. So what's the schedule for it to get to 1.0 in production readiness? Yeah, we're just wrapping up that migration to V, which is pretty much the last major infrastructure change uh, before 1.0 that we at least expect at this wow. point. Okay. So um, the next task is that SSR story. So the idea of every request coming in and being treated uniquely and individually, if that's what you're trying to build. Um, so an e-commerce site, right? Something goes out of stock. You need to be able to handle that and respond to everyone with that updated information immediately. So that's where we see the kind of final piece of this V1 story. Once we launch that, I think we'll be in good shape to uh, to call it 1.0, start working on stability, and really get there in terms of the user plus developer experience. Are there high-profile sites that are already using Astro today? Um, you know, it's still so new, um, nothing to the degree of, you know, major, major fortune 500. Um, but there's a couple of, uh, you know, startups and people in the e-commerce space who've been playing around with it. Um, backlight.dev, div riots jumped to mind. Sentry, I believe might have something, um, internally. We just, you get all these cool little, like, here's what we've heard, mm -hmm. um, kind of people using this for, but I think that V1.0 is going to be a big moment for the production use case. Yeah, got it. So um, is there anything, you know, if you're considering putting it in production today, you're so excited by seeing this like I am, like, is there anything to look out for, um, you know, any any shortcomings so far that, that still have yet to be solved? Um, no, I'd say the phase that we're in right now is we're moving quickly. But if you can stomach that, like, you know, a new feature being launched every couple of weeks or some, you know, every once in a while breaking change, we do a great job of messaging that, giving you, um, actually in the next version, we have an Astro check command, which is essentially like linting for your project. So anytime we release a new feature or a new change, we can message to you, hey, here's what you need to do to fix it. So we're really trying to be good at this phase of quickly moving, not breaking people unnecessarily. Um, but in terms of stability, like what we are targeting right now is production stable websites. So the nice thing about building ahead of time is you can verify that it works before deploying. We're not, you know, you deploy and then a week later you realize that all of your users are broken. Um, you can, you know, check it out at build time before deploying, have a little bit of uh, confidence there so it's not deployed and then that's the first time you're looking at it. So uh, I just put this up actually this morning. Um, I figured I might as well do the podcast justice, but it was actually stuff I learned earlier this week as I was testing out Astro as a possible new documentation platform. 
So now layer zero, which is our nice. platform, has uh, a guide specifically for Astro. Uh, and because it's a static site center, it's like really easy to plug in. So I copied a little bit of your uh, just getting started here. And then all you need to do is, is run, uh, install the layer zero CLI, run zero in it, and, uh, and then just use this router logic. This uh, basically caches uh, all the JS and CSS and images, uh, both in the browser and at Edge, and then the HTML pages just at the Edge. So it's a great way to, to make use of the CDN to really accelerate what's already a blazing fast uh, site. So shout out to anybody who wants to try and deploy uh, into production with Astro, Layer Zero is a, a great way to do it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's super easy. Uh, I'm really actually excited about, about using this going forward in many ways. Uh, I'm going to continue to check it out on my own. Um, so maybe we should wind down with, tell us a little bit about the team and the, the company behind Astro. Um, you know, what, what funding do you have? Are, are you planning to monetize it? How's that all going to work? Yeah, so we're in a weird pace where I think we feel like a funded project, but a lot of this work is coming out of what is still Skypack. So that was originally where we had you know, raised a little bit of money to go and pursue. Is there some sort of company you could build on top of JavaScript distribution? And really pretty quickly into playing around with Astro and the idea of a static site builder, did we realize that's really where a lot of the energy is, has pulled us. So Astro isn't a company. It's still an open source project. There's a ton of energy behind it. Um, we definitely have ambitions to turn it into more of um, a platform. And whether that looks like, you know, something like Vercel, um, I, you know, I feel like there are a lot of Jamstack hosts, so we're trying to find something unique where we don't end up trying to compete with these, like, you know, awesome players. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Netlify is actually a sponsor of ours. We love Netlify. It's a great host. So we're, like, really, like, they seem to have figured it out. We don't need to, like, be a different uh, hosting platform. We're trying to figure out what does it mean to build out a larger platform. And how can we make developers, you know, as productive as possible with Astro? So we're just happy to have a you know, project that's really kind of just taken off and well-loved. And we're trying to listen to our users in terms of what we build next. Is there anything else on the roadmap that you're really excited for or that you want to point out? Um, I mean, SSR, once SSR launches, I'm going to be the happiest guy in the world. That's going to be just such a huge milestone because that's really every use case that we want to tackle at that point will be not only tackled, but, you know, really well, well done, knocked out of the park. So... That's a big thing I'm working towards. Um, we are, you know, super excited about this idea of how pluggable components like React and Vue also just opens the door for more pluggable architecture. So the idea, which we haven't talked about as much, but it's really kind of below the surface on all of this is that idea of when you start to think of your whole site as a collection of hydrated components sprinkled around. Um, Jason Miller of the Preact project called that island architecture. And that's an idea that we really connected with and like. Um, so this idea of island architecture, like architecturally, what does that unlock that just isn't possible in the Jamstack world today? We're, uh, we're very excited about exploring. So maybe something about pluggable architecture, pluggable components, um, more theme support. I, we're not really, we just have a ton of ideas. We're excited to get these big pieces wrapped up and start to explore those. Great. Well, well, thank you very much for coming on. What's the best way that people can follow Astro or follow you social media wise? Um, I am Fred K. Shot on Twitter, um, or Spooky FKS right now, just because it's Halloween, and I, I'm a big fan of spooky Halloween nicknames. Um, the project is at astro.build um, on Twitter. And um, all the people who are working on it, you know, we do a good job of retweeting people in our community. Um, that's definitely the best place to find us on social. You can go to astro.build as the website. 
Um, specifically, astro.build slash chat is a great place to join our Discord community. And that's really where a lot of the activity is happening. So try and be super welcoming to new contributors or just anyone stopping by. Um, you know, regardless of skill level, we you know think of everyone as a contributor. And really, that's the best place to be if you want to learn more. Awesome. Well, thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Love talking about this stuff.